Hey, welcome to everyone. Uh, welcome to everyone watching. And for those of you who are guests or new this morning, want to especially welcome you. Um, got to meet the Parker family who's down here from Washington. Got to meet Mark from Japan. And whoever else is visiting us, thank you for joining us. Um, before we get into the, sur- the, the message uh, this morning, want to just give a brief up- update. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Honeywell and was trying to uh, get you ready and excited for uh, renovation, moving into the cafeteria space behind our building um, as a new venue. And just, just want to let you know that Honeywell asked us to give them a little bit more time so that they could figure things out. And so bad news is it won't be renovated and uh, furnished for Easter. Good news is they're opening it for us to just use the space. So there'll still be a service in there next uh, week at 9 and 11. We'll still have um, an acoustic worship team in there. We'll still have um, teams in there to serve you. Um, You'll get to worship. You'll get the full experience. And then we'll uh, stream in the service there. Okay, so... I want to encourage you, if South Bay is your home, and this is your home, and you don't know of any friends that you'll be inviting next week, and you plan to come to either the 9 or 11 service, I imagine that 11 is the time you normally come, Um, I want you to consider worshiping in there next week for Easter. Uh, One, it'll give you a sneak peek of the place and, and see what's to come. But two, more importantly, it'll just allow us to create more space um, in here for guests who might be coming. People who may not normally go to church, maybe church is new to them. We just really want to make sure that they have a seat. So if you would do your part and consider worshiping in there, the Holy Spirit's there too. So um, you'll be able to worship uh, just as well. So that's uh, 9 and 11. We'll send us some communication out this week just to remind you all right and once again the prayer meeting this thursday that Corey talked about right here in this room at 6 a.m um for now it'll be just this thursday it's not an ongoing thing but stay tuned maybe it will be okay so 6 a.m this thursday all right let's get into the message so we've been in the series called bodybuilding and we've been talking about how god wants to build the body of christ that's the church And the past three weeks, we've been talking about how he wants to build us internally, strengthen us uh, from within. But you look at the scriptures and you'll see that God also wants to build the body externally. He wants to um, expand the kingdom of God by bringing in more to the family of Christ through our witness and through our evangelism. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you guys feel very comfortable or very natural sharing your faith and sharing with others about Jesus? Okay, a few of us. Not all of us, and that's okay. I pray that this uh, message speaks to you, encourages you, but for the majority of us who don't feel uh, super confident in sharing our faith, I pray that you will uh, just walk out of here with greater confidence. Uh, This message especially has you in mind, all right? So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for his word. Would you join me? God, we humbly come before you, and we just confess this morning, Lord, that we have something to learn, and we ask that you would teach us. God, none of us are perfect. Lord, we uh, always need your help, and so we pray that this morning you would help us to understand your word better, Lord, that you would help us to have our heart continually changed to become more like Christ. Fill us with courage and power and strength that doesn't come from ourselves, that doesn't come from any man, but comes from the Holy Spirit of God. So as we open your word, we, we just pray that, that you would um, 
yeah, just open the eyes of our hearts. Give us receptive hearts. And may we just be free from distraction, anything that's going to keep us from really being present with you right now. Lord, protect us and speak to us in this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a fascinating story I heard, true story. Uh, Pastor Francis Dixon, who's a preacher and he travels around preaching, tells a story. And he says he was holding a church meeting in his church and he asked one of the guys in his church to share his testimony. And so he said, I'd love to. And so he shares with the church, he says, one time I was in Sydney, Australia. I was walking down George Street and this small gray-haired man just comes up to me and he says, I don't mean to offend you, but can I ask you a question? If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would end up? The Bible talks about a heaven and a hell. If you were to die, do you know where you would go? And I was startled. No one had ever asked me that question before. I've never thought about it. And I couldn't give him an answer. But later on, I went. I found a pastor because I couldn't shake that question off. I found a pastor who explained to me eternal life. And I gave my life to Christ. That was his testimony. So Pastor Francis says, well, not too long after that, I was... uh, there was a revival meeting at our church, and there was this team of ministers who came to visit our church to minister to the church body, and one of the ministers gave his testimony. And here's what the minister said to my church. He said, I was once in Sydney, Australia. I was in the, uh, in the Royal Navy at the time, and I happened to be on the street called George Street, and this small gray-haired man popped out of a store, out from the doors, came up to me and just asked me the most random question. Sailor, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? Would you be in heaven or would you be in hell? Do you know? And he says, I didn't have an answer for him. I had a friend I know of who was a Christian. So later on after that encounter, I talked to my friend and he spoke to me and that led to my conversion to Christianity. And so Pastor Francis is like, that's crazy. What a coincidence. That's two different people who testified to meeting this guy on George Street. How is that possible? So later on that year, Pastor Francis says, I I actually had a speaking engagement in Adelaide, Australia. And I was speaking at this conference. And I told the story of these two people who coincidentally got saved because they met a a small gray-haired man on George Street. And he says, as I, was, as I was sharing that, a guy from the crowd raises his hand. He says, me too. That's how I got saved. I met that guy on George Street, and he asked me where I would, he asked the same question. Pastor Francis is like, how is that possible? Three different people with the same story. Later that year, he says, I was preaching in northern England. I was preaching at a Baptist church. And after the time of preaching, I had shared that story of now three people who met this guy on George Street. Afterward, an elder in the Baptist church came up to me. He said, Pastor Francis, I met that guy. I was on George Street in Australia, and he asked me if I were to die, if I knew I was going to heaven. I told him, I'm an elder in the church. I know I'm going to heaven. And Pastor Francis, this guy was so stubborn. Like, he wouldn't back, he's like, just because I'm an elder doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. Are you sure you're saved? And he wouldn't back off. He was so stubborn, and I couldn't take it, so I walked away from him. And yet, it, 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 it was on my mind, so I went back to the pastor of the church, the Baptist church. I told him of this stubborn man who, who asked me about my salvation on, on George Street, and my pastor said to me, well, you know, I've actually been kind of concerned about your faith. 
and I didn't know how to bring it up to you. I've been wondering if your walk with Jesus is real, and I'm glad he asked you that because I have this concern. And the elder shared, he's like, I'm so glad that they both brought it up because I realized I don't think I truly repented and gave my life to Christ. After that, I truly surrendered my life to Jesus, and I can say with certainty, I'm going to heaven. And so Pastor Francis is like, four people, four people testified to meeting the same small guy with gray hair on George Street. He says, I went on to preach in India, I preached in Jamaica, I preached in the United States, in Atlanta, Georgia, and in each of those three places, I tell this story, and people came up to me and said, I met the same man on George Street. He says, there's another guy, I met, he's a naval chaplain. That's what he does. And he, he tells a story where when he was a sailor in the Navy, he says, I was a mad drunk, alcoholic, addicted to alcohol, tried to get a drink whenever I could. And we were doing exercises in the South Pacific. And we decided to pour in the harbor of Sydney. He says, during our free time, I went to a, a bar. I got crazy drunk. I was blind drunk. I stumbled onto a bus. And that bus drops me off on George Street. And this small, gray-haired man comes up to me and says, Sailor, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would end up? It shocked me sober. I ran back to the ship. I found our chaplain on board, and he explained the gospel to me. I gave my life to Christ, and now I'm a general chaplain. I oversee a thousand chaplains under me who are all sold out for Jesus and are out there winning souls. These are all true stories. These are true stories. And so when I hear this, I'm like, who in the world is this small gray-haired man on George Street? I'd like to meet him. And more importantly, I wonder what makes him so darn effective at evangelism. I want to know the secret. Well, if that's you and you're wondering the same things, you are in luck today. I'm glad you came to church. Because <laughs> this week I studied the word and I, I found the three keys to success and effective evangelism, and I'm here to share it with you, <laughs> all right? I'm going to share with you three things. If you are a follower of Christ Jesus, there are three things that you have to make you effective in evangelism. You ready? Good. <laughs> I'm glad you are. Me too. Here we go. If you're taking notes, if you have your journal or your device, write this down. Here's the first of three that I want to share with you. Number one, here's the key. You have a Savior. Would you write that down? You have a Savior. If you've been saved by trusting in Jesus, you've been forgiven of your sins, you need to know this. You have a Savior. Today is Palm Sunday. That's why I'm wearing my palms today. It's Palm Sunday. It commemorates the time that week before Easter when the people in Jerusalem were waving their palms and they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the King. And it means, Hosanna means save us, Lord. Save us because that's what the king came to do, to save us. And so start there with your friend, with your roommate, with your coworker. Tell them what Jesus did, that he died, he resurrected, and by that we are saved. He saves us. That's the pure and simple gospel. That's everything you need right there. And some of us are going to push back and say, that's too simple. Like, what else do I have to say? What else should I share? Well, start with that pure and simple gospel. 
You might think that's easy, but too simple. I go to the book of Acts, though, and I see this church that was born in Acts chapter 2, and all of a sudden, these disciples go share the gospel, and it explodes. It's being built externally. But you see what they're preaching. I take you to Acts chapter 2. Look what Peter preaches. It's quite plain and simple. He says this. He's in front of a bunch of Jews, and in verse 22, he says to them, men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up, meaning he was killed, he died, according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, meaning he was resurrected. Loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is what Peter's preaching. Think about this. This is Peter. He was with Jesus. He could have said anything he wanted. He could have talked about the time when, hey, I saw Jesus walk on water. I saw that. I saw Jesus turn water into wine. I was at that wedding. I saw Jesus take two fish, five loaves of bread, and feed over 5,000 people. I was there. So he could have talked about anything about Jesus that he encountered personally. And yet, what does he say to the people? He says, hey, guys, listen. Jesus died. He rose from the grave. And by him, we are saved. That's it. That, that, that was the message that he had to present. That was the pure and simple gospel, the most essential thing they needed to know. We go on in Acts chapter 4, just two chapters over. And Peter and John, they heal this crippled man by the power of God. They heal this crippled man who was lame from birth. And everybody's like astonished. How in the world did this guy who we've seen his whole life lame and crippled, how did you heal him? And so everybody's trying to investigate, who are you guys? By what power and authority do you heal the crippled man? And they could have said anything, and here's what John and Peter say. Acts chapter 4, verse 8, they explain, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, meaning he died, whom God raised from the dead, he resurrected. By him, this man is standing before you well. And then a couple breaths later in verse 12, and there is no salvation. There's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They, they could have really taken advantage to, to, to pump themselves up. See, we placed our hands here, and this is what we said, and this is the relationship we have with God. But all they said was, do you know how he was healed? There's a man named Jesus who died, who resurrected, and by his name and his name alone are we saved. And they use that as a platform to preach this essential, pure and simple gospel. Jesus died, he rose, and by him we are saved. And part of us is still saying, that's just too simple. There's got to be more than that. And you might be thinking it's too simple, but I look at the results. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, what happens? It says, 
But many of those who had heard the word, that simple word, believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. The church exploded, was built up externally because of that pure and simple gospel. Listen, Christian, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you have a Savior. You have a Savior, and that is the greatest news to share out of all the things you can say about Christ. And I hope you say them all. I, I hope you share everything and anything that, that you've come to experience of him. But out of all things, share with them above all else that Jesus is your Savior. He is Lord and he saves. He saves us. Last week in the news, there's the story of these two families in Florida. And the dads and their sons know each other from the football team, and they're enjoying a day at the lake. And the story in the news was that their sons jumped in to go swimming, and they didn't realize the current of that lake on that day was, was particularly strong. And all of a sudden, they're crying out for help. And so these two fathers jump in to save uh, two boys, the two boys that belong to this one father. They're trying to save them. And one of the fathers jumped in. His name was Adem. Here's a picture of Adem Corey. He, he jumps in to try to help save these, these boys that belong to the other father. They got one out. And then he uh, was trying to save this six-year-old boy. Uh, from drowning, and he was able to successfully hand him off to get him to safety, but in that struggle, he lost consciousness and ended up drowning at the lake that day. This just happened. So I'm watching this news report, and the mom of those two sons who survived, she's just in tears, just trying to speak through her tears, trying to hold it together, and she says, I just can't thank Adem enough. He, he, he was a hero. And what she says, she's like, I'm so deeply thankful that because he gave up his life, my sons lived. They're living because he died. Why is she sharing that? Well, because that's what happened. That's the most important thing you need to know about what happened. And I imagine from this day forward, for the rest of her life, anytime she talks about Adam to anybody who doesn't know who, she, who he is, will she not share what he did? She might say, yeah, he, he, he loved football, and he was a funny guy, and he enjoyed the lake, and uh, he, he was from Kosovo. He was an Albanian. She might share all those things which are true, but will she not tell people who don't know who Adam is that he died to save my son's lives? It is because he gave up his that they live. She will forever share that. And so when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, there's so many things he does for us. Yes, he's our protector. He protects us from danger. Yes, he's our provider. He gives every good and perfect gift. Amen, he's a moral teacher. Amen, he was a great prophet. Amen, he, 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 he did crazy miracles. But listen, you need to know this. He died for my sins. He rose from the grave to prove he has power to give life. And by that, I am saved. And so can you be. He is our Savior. Above all else, what is he? He's the Son of God who has rescued us from sin and death. Tell people what he's done. Tell it all. 
but you got to make sure you tell them the simple truth. He is your Savior. All right, so that's what you have. If you're a follower and believer in Christ, you have a Savior. Number two, you have a story. Would you write that down somewhere? You have a story. Because if Jesus is your Savior, that means he saved you from something. That something is sin. He saved you from sin. And in your life, that sin manifests in some way. So what has he saved you from? What's your story? Maybe he saved you from despair or addiction. Maybe he saved you in prison or from your pride. Maybe he saved you from self-hate or self-sufficiency. What's your story? So there's a story in John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, there's a story of a woman who has a story. And her story is that she had run empty. She had run empty. She had this empty bucket. And John chapter 4, verse 4, he tells us that Jesus, on his way from Judea to Galilee, had to go through Samaria. Now, why in the world did John say that he had to go through Samaria? He's Jesus, the Son of God. He doesn't have to do anything. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Well, because, especially since it wasn't a route that most Jews took, well, he had to go because that woman was going to be there. And in this story, this woman has this empty bucket. It ran dry. And so, as usual, she's going back to the well to have it filled up again because she's going to be thirsty again and she needs to be satisfied. And, and Jesus meets her at the well. And Jesus knows that the empty bucket that she has is actually not the empty bucket in her hand. It's the empty bucket of her heart. And she, her whole life has been trying to fill it, trying to be satisfied with man after man after man after man after man. And without her even saying anything, without her even telling Jesus what she's been through, Jesus knows her story. He says, I know you've been married five times. And the one you're with now isn't even your husband. You're trying again to be filled. And so why did Jesus have to go to Samaria? Well, he had to go because he was pursuing her, because he knew her story, and yet he loved her still. And he wanted to share with her that he has everlasting water, that he's able to fill her and satisfy her in a way that no other human being can. And so he offers her everlasting water, in other words, eternal life. Be satisfied once and for all. How does she respond? Here's what I wanted to show you. John chapter 4, verse 28 tells us, so the woman left her water jar. She just drops it. She went away into town and said to the people, come, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? And then how did they respond? Verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. They believed because of her story. Verse 40 says, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and they stayed there for two days. And so the woman basically tells her story, her testimony. It's probably not one that she loves to tell. Hey, this guy knows that I've been with five guys. But she's so astonished, and so they come, and they're taking her story, and it's causing them to seek more about who this Jesus guy is. Who is this guy? And what is the result? We learn in verse 41, the next verse. And it says, many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, 
For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Because of her story, it caused them to seek and ultimately accept the Savior. Every Christian who's been saved is saved from something. Well, what's your story? For her, she was saved from her discontentment, her dissatisfaction, trying to find it in the world. She finally found it in Jesus. What's your story? And so in the past month or two, a lot of people have been sending me texts, messages, Facebook messages, um, a link to this guy's story, his testimony. This guy, his name is Johnny, Chan, uh, Johnny Chang. I'm going to show you this picture. I don't, maybe you've seen this already. But it's, it's a testimony that's been shared over and over again. It's crazy because he, he's been invited to this non-Christian uh, channel, this platform, and they just said, share your story. Well, he was a former watching gang member. Uh, he got locked up ever since he was 12 for robbery and kidnapping, and he, he's come in and out of prison. He's been in prison for over 12 years, and then it was after he got out that he eventually found Jesus. Now he goes to the prisons and shares hope and ministers to people in prison. And this story, there was a non-Christian channel, has been shared and viewed millions and millions and millions of times. Over 5 million, reaching 6 million just in the past couple months. And now all these other non-Christian influencers are trying to get him on their platform to share his story. And every time he goes to these non-Christian platforms, he's not holding back. He's giving them Jesus. He's telling people, all the non-Christian audience, what Jesus has done in his life. He's preaching the gospel. And everybody's telling me, you got you to hear this guy. And by the way, I'll let you know that I've actually been talking to him this week. And he said he would love to come and speak with you, South Bay, in person. So hopefully in the coming weeks, we, we can work that out. We've got to find a way for him to come to every service. But that's something that he wants to do. He said, anything to help build, what's going on? <laughs> Did something happen? It was just funny. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm funny. All right. <laughs> uh, he's, he, he, so what was I saying? Yeah, so he's like excited to come. He said anything to help build the kingdom, right? Everybody's like, Greg, you got to hear the story. This guy's story is amazing. And, and I want to respond be, and be like, I, I got a story too. Like I have a story. Does anyone want to hear my story? Does anybody ever hear a crazy testimony? Maybe like his. He grew up in an abusive home addicted to drugs, came out of prison, and then you look at your story and go, wow, my story is so boring, <laughs> right? So unspectacular. Well, that's me. One time, I was invited uh, to a, a businessman's fellowship, and I was asked to just share my testimony. And I reluctantly agreed. I said, okay, but I felt like, man, my story is so boring. And this is, this is what I shared. I, I went before those uh, businessmen, and I said, hi, my name is Greg Ma, and I want to share with you my story. I was born in a loving family, Christian home, and I grew up going to church. I always had a loving mom who every day would pack me a nice brown sack lunch with a nice sandwich and a bag of chips and box juice. And I never smoked. 
I once actually smoked um, a candy cigarette that I got at the ice cream truck uh, near my middle school. And when I went to high school, I ended up going to West High, which is the best high. <laughs> Much better than North High. Just got to let you guys know that. Uh, got a fairly decent SAT score. Was never in any gangs, never got into a fight. And when I graduated, I got to go to UCI. And if you're not from around here, that stands for UC Ivy League, uh, just so that you know. Um, tell people that. And my parents paid my whole way, four years of college, and I've never paid them back, and we've never been in debt. And my parents, by the way, still love each other. They're still together, and my family gets along really well. Thank you. <laughs> That's my story. A true story. I told this story. Then here's what I shared with those businessmen. I said... That may not sound like a spectacular story, but it is a miraculous story. That God would save me. That Christ saved me when my life didn't seem like it needed saving. That's a miracle. And maybe that's your story, maybe many of your stories. He saved me from my false security. He saved me from my self-sufficiency. He saved me from my comfortable life. See, I found that to be a miracle because I've seen that it's easier to preach the good news to people who are broken and needing hope. Sometimes that's easier than preaching to people who have it all together. They've got it all together. I don't need anything else. I found it easier to save people living in poverty than it is to save people living in prosperity. It's easier because ears are open when someone's down and out, hit rock bottom, and I need hope. I'll take any hope you have to offer than it is to preach to someone who's living like a king or maybe like a queen. So why in the world would I need something else to get me to surrender my life to live under another king? If it ain't broke, why fix it? And so that's a miracle that's a miraculous story when somebody who doesn't seem to need Christ has their eyes open to realize I'm desperately in need of a Savior. Maybe that's your story. So, yes, it is powerful. It's powerful when an ex-convict, drug-dealing, alcoholic finds Jesus. Praise the Lord for a story like that. And it is powerful when a good person from a good home, growing up in a good neighborhood, finds salvation in Christ. That's powerful. Praise the Lord for that. And so whether you're down and out or you're up and coming, if you've been saved by the grace of Christ, understand that you've been saved from something. And your story is a story that's going to resonate with someone. I could show a picture of Johnny Chang, and some of you guys are like, I want to come. I want to hear him. And some of you guys are like, big deal. What's so big about that? Because that might not resonate with you. I could share my story, and some of you guys are like, yeah, you're right. That's boring. <laughs> and then others, others of you are like, that's my story. So your story won't resonate with everyone, but your story will speak to someone. Every eye that has been opened to see their need for Jesus, every heart that's been changed by the power of his Holy Spirit, every human nature that has repented to follow a divine master, that's a miracle. That is a story worth sharing. And understand that God has given you a unique story. God has given you a unique story. 
God has given you, Robin, a unique story. He's given you a unique story. Do not waste your story. Steward your story for God's glory. He's given it to you. So we are to steward it and make Jesus known. You have a savior. It's the first key right there. You have a story. Let me give you the third one. Write this down. You have the spirit. You have the spirit. I think what, what we uh, fear a lot of times is what am I going to say? And what if they ask questions? And what if I don't know the answers? And so we don't open our mouths. And I want to encourage every one of you to just trust the spirit. Don't worry about your words. Let the spirit do the work. Just open your mouth. A few years ago, I went on my sabbatical, took three months off, and not a lot of people know that at that time I needed it. Not because I was burned out, but I needed it to really seek the Lord for direction, for some clarity in my life, what he wanted to do with, with my life, what am I supposed to be doing, and I, I was seeking his will, and I was desperate. And I was so excited that during those three months, one of the things I did was I, I signed up for a retreat. It's going to be up at Forest Home. And you know that Forest Home was where Billy Graham had that life-changing experience where he was kind of lost and the Lord encountered him on that mountain and, and really empowered him, filled him with the Spirit and really set the trajectory of his life. He was going to go on and save thousands, millions of souls. And so I was hoping for a similar experience. I was going go to go to, to Forest Home and hope that the Lord speaks to me, makes things clear to me. And I was excited because the week I signed up for, there were going to be two speakers. And the evening speaker was one I, I could not wait to hear. He's a famous preacher. You could check my podcast. I have him on my podcast. I, I listen to his messages, among many others. And he has a huge church, a huge following, because he's one of the best preachers in our nation. And he was going to be there. And I got to sit under, I was going to sit under his preaching in person. And then the, the morning speaker for that week was this guy I've never heard of, some William guy. You probably wouldn't have heard of him if I had told you his name. And I learned very soon why I had never heard of this William guy. And I'll be quite frank and honest with you, is because he was not a good preacher. I'm just going to be honest. He wasn't good. And I don't say that easily. Trust me, I never, if ever, criticize another preacher. I don't do that. Why? Because I understand what kind of work goes into it. I know it's not easy. I know the, the, the work they pour in to prepare a message and then have to package it and then, then get up and present it before a crowd. That's not easy. And so I always appreciate preachers. I, if you look at all the podcasts I listen to, I listen to messages when I work out, when I walk, when I drive my car. I'm always listening to sermons. And you'll see that I have messages from no-name pastors leading churches of 50 people. I listen to famous preachers who lead churches of 5,000 people and everyone in between because I always have something to learn. There's always something I could take away. So I don't criticize preachers, but I'm telling you, this guy, he was so hard to listen to. You could ask my wife. I complained after every morning session, Monica, help me. I'm dying. <laughs> Why? Because he, he was just... Not like he was unorganized, it was unpolished, he wasn't eloquent or articulate. 
his voice was so monotone. It was like not dynamic. So I'm like struggling to pay attention. I'm like taking notes to force myself to stay awake and stay present. He didn't share any stories, no illustrations, no jokes. He, he just spoke like this. Turn with me to John chapter 1. And I'm like, oh, God, please help me. I was frustrated with him. I'm like, bro, you got to put more work into this. This is such an important ministry. Do work. I was frustrated. So my sabbatical ends. Well, some of you guys are judging me because I'm being judgmental. Stop judging me. (laughs) You're judging me. I know you are. Here's why I share this story. At the end of my sabbatical, some of my close friends who knew what I was going through were asking me, did God meet you? Did God speak to you? How, How did he show up in your spirit and I said amen he he really showed up in all the ways I was praying he gave me clarity and confirmation and he showed up and they asked how and so I share with them I I do some reflection and I share with them and here's the weirdest thing I kept saying here's how he spoke and every scripture I cited and every truth that God dawned on me came from this William guy's messages (laughs) what I don't even remember what the famous guy was preaching about. I couldn't even tell you what his messages were about. But what's crazy to me is God spoke to me through the guy who I felt like couldn't speak. The guy who I struggled to listen to. Everything that literally has changed my life and has revealed God's will to me and the direction in which I should go came from the guy who I felt couldn't speak. That's powerful. Not just in the things that he shared, that's powerful, but even in that itself, that God can speak through someone who I felt wasn't eloquent or polished, and yet it was powerful. And it brings me back to the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that over 20 years ago, I would go back to over and over again. I would memorize the scripture. Why? Because here's what Paul said. He says it in great vulnerability. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, Verse 1 starts, it says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is the apostle Paul. He's realizing that your faith and your salvation has nothing to do with my eloquence. It's the Spirit of God, and I clung to this. When I started preaching over 20 years ago, I needed to be reminded of this. Why? Because I was terrified of opening my mouth and speaking. I felt like God was calling me to teach the Word of God, and it scared me. Why? Because I was told in high school, people used to always say this to me, Greg, you always talk like you're stoned. (laughs) You sound like you're high all the time. You always go, hey, guys, what's up? How are you doing? (laughs) I remember leading worship one time in, in, in high school and college. I would lead worship at my old church. And, and one time, out of love, this person comes up to me and says, Greg, when you speak to us, you kind of stutter and you slur your speech and, and you say a lot of ums. Just want to let you know that. And so every time I had to stand before people and speak, it terrified me. And I had to come back and cling to 1 Corinthians 2 to remind myself that 
ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not about human wisdom or human eloquence, but the testimony of Christ and the power of his spirit. It's what the spirit wants to do. If I would just open my mouth, one of the heroes of the faith for me in my early 20s was Moses. Not because he split the Red Sea, not because he caused water to come from the rock, not because he delivered an entire nation. Why was Moses a hero to me? Because he was just like Paul. In Exodus chapter 4, another scripture I memorized, verse 10 through 12, but Moses said to the Lord, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go. Go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And so he goes and he delivers a nation. And that same God who spoke to Moses and through Moses to rescue a nation is the same God that dwells in you, church. It's the same God who resides in you, the same God who works through me. And so listen, if you have the Savior, then you have a story. And if you have a savior and a story, you know that you also have a spirit who will take your story and he will speak to people in ways that you humanly can't, in ways that are way beyond you. And so let the spirit open people's eyes. Let the spirit open people's hearts. You simply open your mouth. Be faithful to open your mouth. That's true. For anyone preaching behind a pulpit or anyone speaking to a friend behind a coffee table in a coffee shop. That's true when you're speaking to your loved one who's going through the valley or when you're speaking to a stranger going down George Street. It's the spirit of God who saves a soul. You have a savior. You have a story. You have the spirit. I believe that's what the small man with gray hair on George Street did. I think that's what he did. So Pastor Francis, he, by this time he's heard about 10 people who all tested, 10 people from different cities, different countries, different continents who met the same guy on George Street. So he's thinking, who is this guy? And so guess what he does? He says, I flew to Sydney, Australia. He's like, I'm going to find this guy. And he had a friend in Australia, a Christian friend. He, he told him this amazing testimony of all these people who met the same guy on George Street. He says, would you happen to know who he is? And his Christian friend says, I know exactly who you're talking about. He says, that, that's, that's Mr. Frank Jenner. Here's a picture of Frank Jenner. He's the one on the left. This is him in his younger days. And the Christian friend from Australia says, yeah, that's what he does. He just stands there on, on George Street and asks people if they know where they're going when they die. And he said, I don't think he's doing that much anymore. He's a little bit older, and I don't think he's, he's physically able to. So Pastor Francis is like, I, I, I got to meet him. So he arranges a, a, a meeting to be introduced by him, and they find out that he's in the hospital bed. He's confined to a bed because of this condition he had. He had a few different health conditions. And so uh, 
Pastor Francis goes and he finally meets him and he says, I just had to meet you. And he tells him the story. I just met so many people in different cities, in different countries who tell me that it was because they met you on George Street. And when Pastor Francis said that to Mr. Jenner, says he began to weep, just started to cry uncontrollably. He couldn't stop, just wept and wept and wept. Why are you crying, Mr. Jenner? He says, when I found Christ and he saved me, I was so thankful that I promised to God that I'm going to share with as many people as I can for the rest of my life. And I made it a goal that I would share with, try to get at least 10 people to know about Jesus for the rest of my life. He said, when I retired, I, I figured out George Street was the best place to go in my retirement because I know a lot of people go through there. He said, in over 40 years, I got a lot of rejections. And some people were polite enough to take my pamphlet and take the tract home with them. But in over 40 years of doing this, I've never known of one person accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not one. Not one told me that they'd say yes to Jesus until today. Can you believe that? Two weeks later, Pastor Francis tells us that Mr. Jenner passed away, went to be with the Lord. But can you imagine what that welcome was like in heaven? That this small little man who is no Billy Graham, but can you imagine what it was like to, to meet his Savior for the first time? What Jesus would have said to his servant how he would have welcomed him, what that was like, and then what it was like when he's there in heaven and he gets to shake hand after 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 hand of all the souls that he was able to impact and introduce to Jesus, either directly or indirectly, because he chose to simply open his mouth. He had a savior. He definitely had a story, and he had a spirit of God with him. So I want to encourage you, church, you have the same Savior. You have your unique story. You got the same Spirit of God. Will you trust him to open eyes and open hearts, and you simply open your mouth? Amen? Amen. Let's bow before the Lord. I want to take this time as a church to respond. And if you're a believer in Christ and you follow him and you know you've been saved, I want to give you this time to just respond and just give thanks. Sing Hosanna. And ask the Lord to just really encourage you and empower you. To give you opportunities to share what Jesus has done. For the rest of you, those of you who don't know Jesus. And maybe this is your first time in a church. Maybe this is your first time watching a sermon. I want to give you an opportunity right now because I don't think this is a mistake. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the promise. Just believe he died for you and that God raised him to prove that he can give life. You'll be saved, forgiven of your sins, given eternal life. So I want to give you an opportunity to just talk to God and just express faith. Say, say to God, I believe. I believe that. I accept that today. 
And I want to live in that truth forever from this day forward. So if that's you, I, I want to help you. I'm, I'll, I'll pray a prayer. I'll pray it out loud. And I just encourage you to speak to God as if this is you speaking to him. And pray something like this. Dear God, thank you so much for letting me hear that there is a Savior named Jesus. And today, I believe, I put my faith in the fact that he came to die for my sins, that he rose from the grave, proving he has power to give life. And by that, we are saved. I commit to that by faith. And for the rest of my life, I pray that you help me to to walk in that glorious truth. I confess there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot I need to learn. But this day forward, help me to walk in repentance. Help me to turn toward Jesus. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but help me to, to live for you with the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me, God. Thank you for saving me. Hosanna. Father God, we do thank you together as a whole for that fact that our king came from heaven to earth. And so we cry, Hosanna, save us, God, save us. Thank you for for saving us. And for those who don't know you, I pray that you break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord, that, that you would give us a compassion and a burden to make sure that they know of what Jesus has done and that they too would be saved. So save them. May this be a generation that we get to witness and be a part of where we see many hearts revived, the dead coming to life spiritually, that they would come to see and know Jesus our King. So we sing Hosanna. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.